0: What you really want to do is focus on what you want, being very clear with yourself on what you're looking for in a partner, being very authentic with what you're putting out there on your own profile. So if you, you know, oh, an example of this is everyone puts that they like hiking. Like, do you really like hiking? You know, is that really something you do? Or do you feel like, well, I just have to put something in order to sound interesting. So getting very clear with yourself on who you are, then it's going to attract the type of person that you want as well.
1: Welcome back to Make Bank with Marie. I'm Marie and this episode is going to bring you so much clarity and so many juicy, helpful, relatable insights with the date doctor, Dr. Christy Kedarian. We go nitty gritty into both modern dating and dating apps and how to stop wasting your time swiping just for it to go nowhere, as well as how to navigate modern committed relationships. So no matter where you fall on that spectrum, I know you're going to get so much from this episode and from Dr. Christy. And Christy is not only a licensed therapist, but also A celebrity matchmaker, a former eHarmony and Match.com affiliate matchmaker, a relationship coach, a therapist, and a dating expert featured all across the press. Her expertise and success in the field of intentional dating and relationships is based on her unique ability to streamline the process, help you get super intentional, and ultimately find the one. I particularly loved her advice on how to curate the perfect dating profile, how to narrow down the field, the best questions to ask on a first date, and also how to keep the spark and consistency at the same time in your long-term relationships as an engaged gal, of course. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. Hope you love it. Hello, Dr. Christy. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be such a great conversation. I've already been doing such a deep dive into all of your content and your story. And I know that you're going to bring like so much clarity and like actionable advice for our listeners, whether they're dating in relationships. You have such like a wealth of knowledge about kind of the entire like, I don't want to say life cycle, but like lifespan of what we could be experiencing. So I'm really excited. Yeah, thank you. Me too. Of course. So for those who don't know you yet, can you give us a little bit of a background on how you came to be known as the date doctor, the background on your education, and you have such a cool kind of resume as well and the different things that you've done in this
0: space. So tell us more about that. Sure. So like many women, I'm sure that listen to your podcast, I, from an early age, really exhibited a lot of signs for my personality of what I do today. And so from pretty young, I always loved connecting with people, connecting people to each other. I was always that person that knew someone that, you know, I just loved doing that. And pretty early on, decided I wanted to study psychology, both my cultural background. I'm Armenian-American, as well as my faith background as a Christian, kind of revolve around the concept of like relationships and relationships are really central to that. And so a lot of how I made meaning of the world and like purpose in my own life and others was about kind of relationships and connecting people. And so that got me fascinated just by the world of relationships. I studied psychology and marriage and family therapy. My undergrad did some research and then it really made sense to me how relationships affect who we are and how we view the world. And so since then, I my career has kind of led to becoming a therapist that focuses on relationships as well as working for eHarmony as a matchmaker and researching, you know, why do two people work? Why do some other people not work? What makes a happy relationship? And then now that's what I really help people do is discover how to navigate modern dating into finding that right person and how to create happy and healthy relationships in our lives.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And I've found a pattern with my guests. We've done over a hundred episodes and I see a lot that people become an expert in a field where they had to like face something really difficult or where they had to do a lot of work or a lot of learning. Has that been true for you or has it been a... Pretty smooth road in terms of your own like dating and relationships. I know you're happily married and actually have a baby on the way now. Congratulations. Thank you. But yeah, tell me more about that experience and whether that's true for you. Yeah, you're exactly right on the
0: nose, not a smooth road (laughs) for myself personally. And I think looking back, that's really what motivated me into starting my own business and what we do to help people with dating is I became a matchmaker when I was single. So in a lot of ways, I was like dating for my clients. And then I was like dating for myself. And I saw so many parallels and really used the methods that I help people with now on myself to navigate dating. So I was on apps on and off for like five years in relationships that weren't a fit, in relationships that felt like they were, and then things didn't work out. So I was in many ways my own, you know, experiment in what I teach now. And I think that often gives so many clients of mine hope because I think when they feel like they're not alone in the struggle and it's not their fault, it helps you to feel more empowered to take action when you don't believe like, oh, there must be something wrong with me or am I unlovable? That a lot of people have that fear in relationships of that worthiness. And so I love to bring my story to life of like, hey, we all go through a process and you're not alone and it's not you. (laughs) You do love.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so it's been like a minute since I've been on the dating scene, if you could even call it that. Like it's been since college. But I do, of course, have some single friends and I have to say I'm like not really jealous of some of the (laughs) stories they're telling me and like some of the experiences they're sharing in their like search for love. And so I'm curious, how have you seen dating change, especially for millennials like over the past few years? Of course, we've dealt with like a pandemic and so much change socially, but it's just culturally, generationally like
0: what have you seen in that evolution lately? I love hearing from people that, you know, met their person before the dating app phenomenon. Yeah. Because they're always like, Oh, that sounds fun and all the single people are like, No, it's definitely not fun. Right. Right. I'm like, oh let me swipe for you. Right. This is a fun game and they're like, It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, please just throw my phone away. But yeah, I yeah. think really since we've as a society leaned more on technology in general, just the nature of how we connect has changed. You know, social media yeah the internet, all of that. And so that's naturally also affected how we meet people. And I think the thing with online dating, I'm a big proponent of using online dating as one of the possible ways to meet people. And I think I understand why people are so hesitant to use it. Obviously, there's those scam fears and things like that. But there's also that feeling of almost people are created, you know, they're, they're almost like dumbed down into this like dimensional swipe worthy or not person. It's, it is somewhat of a dehumanizing process if you don't have the awareness to use the dating app as what it is, which is a tool to make a really authentic connection. It's not you know, the end all be all. But I think really what has to happen is, and what I'm passionate about is you have to Have that personal development, self-awareness grow, and then see the dating app as a tool to potentially meet the type of person that you want and learn how to use it in a way that doesn't have all those negative effects that we're afraid of. But I think in modern dating, really, if you're not on a dating app and you're looking to find the right person, it's almost like you don't have email (laughs) now. know, so many more people in 2021, the stat was 80% of the relationships in the last two years were formed from meeting online. And that would be surprising to too many people because how else were we meeting people during the pandemic? at the same time, it really shows that this way of meeting people is here to stay. So we have to really learn how to use it still as a human being and not as, you know, just kind of like a computer that's going to punch, you're going to put in exactly what you want. It's going to give you like a vending machine, whatever you have. But I think we have to really see it as a, a good means of connection and then take it from there and work on those social skills to meet someone who's compatible with us.
1: Yeah. My brief stint of dating in college was like Tinder was just becoming popular. Like Tinder was the dating app. And even then, like to me, it was – kind of fun because you just have this gallery of people to swipe through but like you said it's dehumanizing like you're not really envisioning this person as a person that you're going to like connect with and like meet and develop a connection with it's kind of just like oh did they check these boxes am i attracted to them are they holding a fish in any of their pictures <laughs> like kind of just like what are what are the basics here and then from there I'm a more introverted person, which sometimes people find surprising because on the internet, I'm not as yeah, introverted, yeah. <laughs> but like in real life, mm-hmm. I'm introverted. And I would find it so hard to like, okay, I can do like casual chit chat, learn about someone's dog, whatever. But once they're like, do you want to meet up? Then I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like it's taking that mm-hmm. and like breaking the wall between just like casual banter on the dating app to then actually meeting someone in person almost makes it feel harder. Like getting started is easier, but actually taking that step and bringing
0: it like into real life feels really Mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's hard to build that foundation of connection when you meet through mutual friends or you went to the same college, you have some sort of thing binding you. But when it's a complete stranger, it feels like, well, how am I going to connect with this person long-term?
1: Yeah. Okay. So then On that note, if someone is on dating apps and they're experiencing something similar, do you have any tips or steps or, dare I say, like hacks for maybe the right first date or how to know when to take it to a date? Like how can we make
0: that transition easier? Yeah. So what I teach my clients and we've developed methods that are backed by research. So we've seen, you know, what dating app behavior is like and how to circumvent some of the main blocks and things that people complain about. You know, they're not getting messages back, they're not actually going on dates, they're getting ghosted, these sorts of things. And so what you really want to do is focus on what you want, being very clear with yourself on what you're looking for in a partner, being very authentic with what you're putting out there on your own profile. So if you, you know, oh an example of this Is everyone puts that they like hiking? Like, do you really like hiking? You know, is that really something you do? Or do you feel like, well, I just have to put something in order to sound interesting? So, getting very clear with yourself on who you are, then it's going to attract the type of person that you want as well. And then from that place, it's really about connecting on getting clear, you know, making sure that they're a real person. This could include a FaceTime date, which I think is one of the most positive things to come from the pandemic era of dating is let's just hop on a quick FaceTime, make sure kind of a vibe check, make sure that you can connect with them and that they're a real person, their pictures look like who they are. And then from that place, meeting up in person and just taking it step by step. But I would say try to get to that in-person date as soon as possible. Once you've got those main questions answered. You don't want the majority of your connection happening through text message. It just kills chemistry. I feel
1: like once you're in too deep with that too, it almost becomes like weird to like meet them in person.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It's like, I haven't even met you. Like, why are you sending me pictures of your breakfast or whatever? Yeah. (laughs) So we need to just kind of like pump the brakes on that and try to increase the human interaction like in person, because that's where you can really tell if you have that chemistry.
1: Yeah. I like the idea of like the, the FaceTime date as like a vibe check or just even like a, a quick chat because yeah. to me, it, like one thing my friends have expressed is like, oh my God, it's so much work to like do my hair, get ready, like drive to a date just for this guy to be like such a dud or yeah. for him to like not look the way he does in his pictures or like not be like personable or whatever, or just like not be a vibe. So that's, that's a really good tip that. For some reason,
0: wasn't obvious to me, but that's so smart. Mm -hmm. Totally, yeah, and that's one of the things that gets people so burnt out with dating and dating. Yeah, you invest so much time and energy. You're so hopeful, and then you get so disappointed. Especially if you're like a busy professional entrepreneur, you're you could you're thinking I could spend that time actually seeing my friends or doing work or whatever. So you have to be very protective of your time and value yourself and your time. A, a lot so that you're not just saying, yeah, I'll just go out with whoever asks, you know, you mm-hmm. it's more than that. You need to do a little bit more homework before you invest that time, energy, makeup, whatever. Yeah. On that date. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. OK, so what, since we're on the topic of dating apps, do you have a certain favorite app or platform, especially for the listeners who like are looking for a serious connection?
0: Like they want a
1: relationship.
0: hmm. Yeah. So usually, and we have a process that we recommend people to go through in our programs that we work with that helps you kind of identify what the best dating app is, because it really varies depending on where you live, your age range, all of those things. But usually what I recommend people to do if you live in a big city is try like one or two apps, maybe like a Bumble usually is one that I recommend because you're not getting messages from people that you haven't already expressed interest in. So that saves your time because some apps, you can get bombarded with all these messages, but you haven't mutually liked the person yet. Oh, Okay, got it. Kind of overwhelming. So I say start with like a Bumble and then maybe like a Coffee Meets Bagel or Hinge, or if you're more serious, you could try like an eHarmony or Match, but start with like two apps. And that will give you a little bit of a sample of who is on the dating apps in my city. So sometimes when people start with an app that's a little bit more obscure, they feel like, oh, there's nobody on the apps, but it might just be that in your city, most people are using this app. So start with the one that has the most exposure to people. And then at that point, you can get really more narrow with your filters, kind of express what you're looking for. And then that can naturally weed out people. So it's not necessarily the app per se, it's more about you know, is your type of person that you're looking for on this app as well. And from that space, using the tools that the app gives you to be a little bit more specific about what you're looking for.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. As a marketer, I find dating app profile is just like fascinating and like so fun. Like I love taking my friend's profile and being like, let me fix this. Like, (laughs) let me like choose your photos. Let me brand you basically. (laughs) And so I would love to know like, what are some of the common mistakes or just like easy fixes that a lot of people are missing in their dating profile that would probably yield them like better matches or better connections?
0: Yeah, great question. So we do what we call dating profile revamp for all of our clients. So we basically rewrite, we've written thousands of people's profiles or rewritten yeah. for them. And one of the big things that I think people just take for granted is that they assume like, oh, nobody really cares or looks at this. But the reality is you really want to make a good first impression because it takes an average of 10 seconds for someone to swipe yes or no, which is very short. But if you have done any research on attention span, you know that our attention span generally as people is getting shorter and shorter. Yeah, And so what I usually say is your first picture should be one where you're smiling, very clear what you look like. So not necessarily like a professional headshot, but it should just be like This is very clearly you. So that. Not you and like seven of your closest friends. (laughs) You want to make it as easy as possible to recognize, okay, it's her. It's what she looks like. So I recommend just taking a nice shot like that, at least like three quarters of your body, having at least one full body shot that's accurate and recent. Can't tell you how many times people, you know, put the most flattering photo of them or maybe their weight has fluctuated and that's totally okay. But be have truth in advertising because there's many times that you'll go on a date and then you won't get a second date and you'll wonder why and usually it's because there's not there's something off with what you put on your profile and what you actually yeah. like or what you Or you'll feel like kind
1: of resistant to meeting exactly. someone in person if you mm-hmm. don't think they actually like have an accurate idea
0: of who you are. Exactly. And that really changes your energy and confidence on the first. Yeah. So yeah. I always recommend that. The other thing I recommend doing is don't put any cropped photos. So no, mm. you know, this is half of me or my face and, you know. So like I'm crop like, your
1: ex out, but so you can like yeah, see no, his shoulder.
0: <laughs> no shoulder, no phantom shoulders, because what people naturally do is they imagine that that's your ex, your and you. they already yeah. are imagining you as someone else. Same thing goes with like no photos of like your brother or your nephew. They assume mm. that's your kid. They assume that's your boyfriend. <laughs> people yeah. don't, don't read the caption. So automatically we want to just create this version of just like you as individual you can put a photo with friends if you'd like but make it like two friends you know not like 50 Mm -hmm. and really just embody more of who you want to be in a relationship so Mm -hmm. not single you it's like what Mm -hmm. I would be like in a relationship so another thing a lot of women do is they put a lot of photos of them going out which that's usually up we're going out to a club or a bar or a wedding whatever and so It's creating this version of you that's not like you in a relationship. Yeah. Attracting the wrong kind of energy too. So those are some of my top tips more generally. But I would say just think of your profile as a cover letter, not a resume. Meaning Mm. what would your ideal person be specifically looking for in their ideal person? Not like, here's everything about me and like pick and choose (laughs) if you want to hire me. So you want to make it really clear like you were applying for a job, you know, You write the cover letter, you say, this is why I'm a good fit based on this is what you're looking for. You know, just give Mm -hmm. the whole life story. And so it's the same thing with a dating profile.
1: Yeah, that makes complete sense. And I'm curious if there are any specifics for like what you should include or not include in your profile or like how you should start conversations where you can just kind of narrow the field faster, because especially if you're in a big city, like I, I just feel like there are so many potential people to talk to and so many conversations to initiate that it's like you never actually go anywhere with any of them because you're just like too scattered.
0: Totally. Yeah. So I would say go on every date with just like one kind of question in mind of what's something I'm curious about or I want to learn a little bit more about this person. So sometimes Mm -hmm. the dating apps give you some of those hints, but always go in with like, okay, what's important to me and What's one thing that I'd like to learn more about this person? So maybe you want to learn about their ambition. And so you're mm-hmm. going to kind of keep that in mind of how you can bring that up. Don't go in with a laundry list of like interview questions and be like, mm. how can I weave this in naturally? Yeah, you bring a clipboard like yeah, yeah. Okay, check, <laughs> check. Yeah, that's the, the the biggest thing that I think a lot of, especially women do is like, how can I naturally figure out if this guy wants kids or is going to be a good dad? And it's like, okay, that's you can't naturally figure that out. And the whole time, you're just going to be in your head rather than present trying to figure out how you're going to learn that thing. So I would say just think about one thing that you want to know this person that would give you more information so that you want to move forward with them and then Mm. go from that space. And so yeah kind of frees you from being like, I need to get all my questions answered right now. And it gives you more of that organic connection. It's more about how you feel with the person often than if they answer the right thing on the question, you know, on your... Yeah.
1: I feel like that's a tough balance to strike because we're always, you know, well, at least my advice to my single friends is like, don't settle. Like he's out there, she's out there. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you will find the person that like checks all your boxes, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, not being like so attached to this like master checklist where it's like you just miss out on what's right in front of you. And so what's your, what's been your experience with people who or like, what do you see as the the healthy balance, I guess, mm-hmm. of having yeah. your list versus like just
0: being open to the experience? Totally. So what we teach our clients is all about prioritizing what you're looking for. So the way that we have kind of created this analogy is through the criteria sandwich. So let's say like you're going to Subway, for example. So you go and you're building your sandwich. On the bottom is the bottom bun, right? And you never want to carb load. So the bottom bun is like, just a few, th- you know, it's thin, it's not all the toppings and everything. And that's your deal breaker. So those are things that are like, if this person has this quality, it's not going to be a fit for me. So you're really clear mm-hmm. on that. And it's only two or three things. So it can't be, you know, a whole laundry list of deal breakers. Then yeah. the middle of the sandwich is what we call like the like to have. It's like, it would be nice if we had the same taste in music or we both like hiking or whatever, but it's not really central to compatibility. Like if they have this thing, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm gonna be happy with them. And you can have as many of those as you want. You know, that's the middle of the sandwich. It's the banana peppers, the lettuce, you can have that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It's not a make or break. And then on the top bun criteria are the must haves. So again, it's only two or three things. You're kind of Focusing on what are the most important things this person has to embody to be a good fit for me. So when you're swiping, when you're meeting people, you're mainly keeping those top buns in mind. You're using maybe the filters to kind of weed out the deal breakers. Let's say you really want kids, so on your profile, you're going to put the thing that they want kids to. So that's going to kind of do the work for you, and you're going to focus on how do I get to know for sure if this person has the things that are most important to me, my values my faith background, whatever that is. And then that way you're not putting so much weight on things that aren't as important to you and make that the focus because long-term, it doesn't really matter if they have the same taste in movies, you know, (laughs) format (laughs) that they embody the kind of life that you want to build with somebody.
1: Mhm. Yeah, that's so that's such like wise advice because I think when I was younger, my list of like who would have been my perfect match or like what I wanted in a partner was a mile long and now with my fiance like I'm thinking about the things that would have been on those lists and a lot of the boxes like probably wouldn't mm-hmm. be checked actually but we are so compatible like we complement each other mm-hmm. so well and we're such a strong partnership but like we don't like the same movies like we don't have the same exact hobbies we but we do share like the core values mm-hmm. and we do like make each other laugh like we have we just get each other on mm-hmm. that level and you know we have those really important things but like if it had just been the same weight for like everything on the checklist it would look like Mm,
0: okay match. Completely. Yeah. That's such a good example. And I know in my own journey too, it's really important. I tell all my clients and my community this too, is to make sure what's on that list is really coming from you and not from what other people or society thinks is important for you because you know yourself and the future you want to create an example for me was that, you know, I have my doctorate and I'm, you know, I have a lot of education under my belt. And a lot of people were like, well, you have to find someone who's also has a doctorate and
1: yeah, yeah. really
0: academic. And I really realized for myself, like, actually, that's not true. I don't need someone who's in the same field or we're both kind of in the same academic. We see the world the same. And my husband, you know, he has his college degree, but he doesn't have advanced degrees but He's a really successful business person, one of the smartest people I know. And then looking back in my own journey in entrepreneurship, I'm so grateful that I have someone with that perspective because they can really help complement my strengths and vice versa. And so I think sometimes we kind of buy into whatever other people or society tells us that we need to have. But when we come to the core of it, we realize, wait, that's not really that important to me. I can let that go. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I think when I was younger, like, I I was so sad. I'm like, oh, I want to be with like another entrepreneur. And like, I want a guy who's this way, this way, this way. And then I was like, wait, that's basically me dating myself. And that sounds awful. Like that does not sound like a good time. I don't think that we would be compatible looking like looking back to my criteria again. And, you know, my fiance is like definitely goal oriented and he has his own like vision for what he wants to do in his career and stuff. But like he grounds me and balances me. And if I would have tried to be with someone who's like just like me,
0: it would have been carnage and chaos. I think like that would not work well. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think that is another thing just like in our society and more Western society, what we're expecting of a partner is sometimes really unrealistic. Like we want them to be our soulmate, our like business partner, intellectual chemistry, best friend, travel buddy, you know, all of the things. Whereas in culturally, historically, most of the time, our partner just fulfilled like one piece. And then we had community and friends and just other people. So what I found is for those relationships that are really healthy and happy, they're not putting so much pressure on just one person to be like everything or be the mirror of everything in their life. But it's kind of finding those relationships and cultivating different types of relationships that make your relationship with your partner actually healthy. Mm,
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. And having like your close girlfriends or those family members that you can rely on going to therapy, there's so many other ways like be supported, and they all kind of Mm complement each other. So that's a super good point. Okay, amazing. So a lot of my listeners, pretty much all of them, I would be like to bet, are like ambitious, goal-driven women, whether they're entrepreneurs or high achievers in their career, whatever it is. But I've just noticed from my friends, from my clients, that a lot of us come across either people that they're dating or even like their existing partners feeling maybe intimidated or threatened or potentially emasculated if they're in a heterosexual or yeah, a heterosexual couple. So what have you noticed about like the relationship dynamic or experience for
0: ambitious women? Like how, how can we navigate this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this, these are the people that I work with the most as well. And I am one of them as well. And so What I really noticed, I think, in the people that are able to have those healthy relationships, attract the healthy partners, is the ability to see your strengths and the areas that you really thrive in your independence and that more masculine energy, and then also see other areas of your life where you want to connect, you want to be vulnerable and have needs from other people and really be in touch with that. I think Sometimes we become more ambitious, hyper independent, you know, boss babes embodying at the expense of recognizing, wow, we really need people. We need connection. Yeah, like allowing yourself to be supported exactly. by other people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's more in concept, I know. But sometimes we kind of glorify that independence. And then if we actually do have needs or emotional needs or want support or, want someone to help us in some ways, it becomes like a sign of weakness. And I'd really like to like flip that narrative and notice all the areas of support you've gotten, even in your career, you know, community, coaching, whatever you've done in your career, it's been with the support of others and noticing that within yourself, that really helps to Make you know your partner feel that need and that connection, and feel like oh, I ha- I bring some value to this person's life. Not oh, I can do everything on my own. I don't need anybody. And so I I really always encourage women to look at that and say you know where did that come from? Sometimes that's from a young age. You had to just learn how to do things on your own for whatever reason. And sometimes that's from your career. You know maybe you were in corporate. It's doggy dog. You can't trust anybody. And so yeah. I would really work on kind of developing who you are outside of just your work identity, and then allowing that piece to lead in your relationships. I don't really buy into the idea of someone being intimidated by your success. A lot of people told me that initially when I was dating and pursuing, you know, advanced education and just being really successful, that a lot of people wouldn't like me or like yeah. would be a negative. I think when people are intimidated or jealous, it's just part of themselves that's not yet fulfilled. And so someone else living their full potential and they feel like, well, I'm not really living my full potential. So I would say, try to find people that they don't have to be making a certain amount of money or be in a certain industry, but that they really feel like they're whatever they're doing is fulfilling them. They feel like they're able to be their best self in the world and spread whatever gift that they have to the world. And if you find people like that, you're not going to run into that feeling of Oh, I don't wanna make them, you know, feel bad. Right. If they're secure in their path, even if it's exactly. very
1: different from yours, like you're not gonna have that issue. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So like I had a I have a client example that I always use and she was a very successful CEO, always assumed she had to be dating people in that same industry or same income bracket. Um, and she ended up meeting and marrying their happily married my teacher, and she, initially she was very nervous about that. She's like, I make like three times what he makes and you know he's gonna be intimidated and all that, but when we looked at it, you know he just felt so fulfilled in his purpose, he was doing great in you know his you know school and all of that he felt like he was at his full potential as well, and that was actually a better match for her than many people she dated that felt like they were in this career, but they didn't feel fulfilled, they didn't feel successful, you know all of that they didn't feel like meaningful, and those people often the people we think should be secure are often way less secure. They're not really living into what they, they want to do. And it doesn't necessarily have to be your career. Sometimes people just are in a career, but they have other passions or their fulfillment in other ways. So looking for that is really important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So something that you and I chatted about before getting on the interview is that ambitious women and women who are really career driven and goal oriented, like they kind of have a special skill set or like strength when it comes to dating that they can like transfer over. So while it some parts might feel harder to navigate in some ways, there are also some like really big strengths that we bring to the table.
0: Can you elaborate more on that? Definitely. So most successful women, or if you feel like you have success in one area of your life, it's very easy to transfer that to other areas. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. people feel stuck in their dating life because they feel like the formula they use to become successful in their career doesn't work in dating. So maybe you are in a career and you felt like, okay, I just have to follow these steps and then I'm going to get to this place, this promotion. You know, I've just followed the thing, I've worked really hard whatever you feel like your ingredient to that success was in your career. When it comes to dating, it feels like there's way less of a strategy. There's not a clear roadmap. There's not a clear formula. And so you end up feeling frustrated. You also end up feeling like you don't have a lot of successes to build off of in dating. So the analogy I use is like if you go to the end, you have a you know weightlifting goal. And every week you're able to lift like three pounds more you feel like, okay, I'm getting progress. I'm gaining traction. Success is coming very soon. But in dating, most of the times it feels like you're constantly failing until one time you meet the right person and magically it happened and you can't really quantify like why or what you did to make it happen. So what I always encourage, you know, successful driven women to do is identify, okay, what were the things that kept me motivated and successful in my career and then translate the, those into your dating life. So one of the top things that I mostly every successful woman says is that they were determined and consistent so they didn't give up. They obstacles came, they kept going, they overcame them they stayed consistent, they kept showing up even when they didn't see the result right away. And so with them we look at their dating life and they give up after one bad date they're like delete So we look at okay, you know that kept you going you were able to do that. How can we harness that energy now in dating as well? So, their thing, you know, maybe they're, they were more open to looking at their weaknesses or their, their blind spots in their career and say, okay, I'm going to work on that. Well, let's transfer that to dating. Like, what is happening on the deeds? What could be some things to improve on and not feel like you're taking that personally, but just say, okay, I'm going to work on this so that I can get closer to my goal. So, the more we're able to kind of see, finding that quality relationship as like that goal and that there are certain strategies, things to learn, things to grow in, then we're able to feel more confident. And that's going to lead to, you know, that person that you're looking for more success in relationships too.